today I'm going to talk to you about faith to run your race. And I'm going to begin by reading from the letter Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. So if you have a Bible, do feel free to turn there if you'd like to follow along, and the words will come up on the screen behind me too. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, wherever you feel like you are in your race today, I hope you'll be able to draw new strength and encouragement from this time. And this is the last of our five-week series on the book of Hebrews found near the end of the Bible. Now, don't worry if you've missed the earlier talks. They're all available on our podcast or SoundCloud. But here's a quick recap. So each week as we've gone through Hebrews, we've asked these three questions. What, why, and how? So firstly, I think there's going to be a table that comes up. Firstly, what is this book in the Bible saying? It's saying that Jesus is more valuable than anyone or anything else. And why is the author saying it? It's to encourage the original readers and us today to keep following Jesus and persevere no matter what. And how is that point being made? Well, it's through comparison, by comparing Jesus to anything else that we might be tempted to turn back to and seeing that he is better. He's better. So in week one of the series, Bodders looked at how Jesus is the best revelation and the only complete picture of who God is. Then in week two, Susie picked up how Jesus is the best rest, the only source of true fulfillment and contentment. And in week three, Dave um, talked about how Jesus is the best representative or kind of a mediator between us and God. And last week, um, Bodders looked at how Jesus is the best covenant or put another way, the person who can define our relationship with God. So the, fo- so the fo- focus in these last three chapters of Hebrews shifts a bit to what our response should be to these things, to the repeated claim that Jesus is better than anyone or anything else. And the response the author of Hebrews encourages us is to have faith, faith to run our race. Now, the word faith is used in in loads of different ways today, isn't it? We talk about um, faith in humanity being restored by people who do really kind things. Like, did anyone see in the BBC News recently, there was like an off-duty midwife who saw a woman go into labor um, in a high street, and she helped deliver the baby right there in Southend-on-Sea, I think it was. We often say, "Have, have faith in yourself, don't we, as a way of sort of boosting confidence. So whenever England are in the World Cup, we sing our kind of collective national faith anthem, We still believe, we still believe it's coming home, football's coming home. And against all reasonable hope, let's keep believing, let's keep believing for that. We also lose faith, don't we, in products that just don't deliver on the claims they make. So at home, I'm fast losing faith in the anti-weed fabric layer I put down under the gravel a year ago. But, But my faith in the super strength weed killer I recently purchased is definitely on the up. 
Faith on a more personal level, it's just at play in all of our relationships. It's in the trust we share with close friends and the loyalty we have to our favorite car mechanic. And through the whole Bible, we see faith as a, as a key, really, to our relationship with God. But that theme is especially addressed in these final chapters of Hebrews. So in chapter 11, verse 6, for example, we read, Without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, I wonder where you feel you are in your faith right now, here today. Perhaps you're someone who already has a, a strong faith. And as you look back, you know it's your faith that has kept you going through tough times. Perhaps you, you struggle with faith and you would, you would like it to be stronger, but you're, you're not sure how would that even happen. But it might be here that you're here with questions of faith. Maybe you describe yourself perhaps as an atheist or someone with no faith. Wherever you are in that race, in that journey, I'm just thrilled you're here. And I hope that as we look at faith to run your race, you'll be encouraged as we look at three main questions. What is faith? What is faith based on? And what is faith for? So what is faith? The author of Hebrews gives a definition in chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. In other words, there's a connection between faith and hope, particularly things we hope for that we can't see. Now, in our modern Western culture, the advances in kind of science and knowledge, they can make it difficult for us to think positively, positively about things we can't see right in front of us. But scientific evidence, it's not the only kind of evidence we use to make decisions, is it? There's also kind of legal evidence or historical evidence that people use, looking at all the facts and the claims before they reach a verdict or a decision. And even the most logically minded among us probably make decisions in our relationships all the time because of faith and hope. So a few years ago, I knew that I wanted to ask this girl out. And I had a tiny bit of faith that if I asked her, she might say yes. So um, one day I was just here actually at church and I just saw her and I thought this is the perfect time to put my faith into action. So I walked over as coolly as I could and I said, hey, do you want to go out to the cinema sometime? And I was genuinely surprised by her first answer. Um, I'll have to ask my housemate. Before she followed up with, is that the group cinema trip that people have been talking about? And I realized it was not going well. But thankfully, a mutual friend interrupted at the perfect moment and saved me from further awkwardness. But later the same day, I went home, and with the last bit of faith I had for this endeavor, I Facebook messaged her to clarify. My invite was a cinema date exclusively with just me. <laughs> and also, I just, as I sent that message, I really hoped her housemate would be obliging. <laughs> and amazingly, she messaged back the same day. Would three weeks' time be okay, she said. I was like, wow, that is a tough ask, but okay, let's do that. <laughs> Just need to have trust and faith in what she says. So three weeks later, I arrive at Showcase Cinema, chivalrously early, and remember thinking, will she turn up? My faith was being tested. 
And sadly, she didn't, and that was the end of it. No, she did. That was a joke. She did. <laughs> of course she turned up. And that was Lizzie, who's now my wife, and that was the start of our journey together. And, and oh, wow. <laughs> People love a good dating story. Faith and trust were involved at the start of our relationship and are still very much, they're still at the heart of it today. And the dynamic, that dynamic is key to all important relationships, whether it be a marriage, a, friend, a close friendship, and indeed in our, in our relationship with God. And that leads us to a second question. What is faith based on? And I like the picture I first heard at, at the Alpha course that we run here, that Christian faith is based on three main components, like three legs of a stool. And I've got a prop here that I'm going to try to use to demonstrate this. And um, it's something that the facilities team knocked together last week, so I hope it's going to work as I put it together. So the first leg is the, the Word of God. So I think that screws in like that. That's working well. So that is the first leg, the Word of God. So if people ask me what I base my faith on, I point to a book, the Bible, the Word of God. And the Bible, it's a historical record of God's relationship with, with people, but it also gives particular evidence for the person of Jesus. But the Bible is also alive in a way that allows us to interact with it through faith. So earlier on in Hebrews, for example, chapter 4, verse 12, the author makes this point. The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. So I remember early on in my journey of following Jesus, I wanted to see if God would speak to me directly through the Bible, just by kind of opening it at random and then just reading the first thing that I saw. And I has anyone else ever done that? I don't know. Yeah, probably lots of us. Anyway, I opened the page, and no kidding, the first thing I read was, do not put the Lord your God to the test. <laughs> so that was it. Never doing that again. But as I've continued to read and listen to the Bible in a kind of more mature way, I've, I've discovered it's one of the main ways my faith grows. This book, it reveals to me what what God is like, who Jesus is. But it also invites me to trust in him practically. So take an example. In Matthew's Gospel, verse 11, chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. And this is one of loads of promises we find in the Bible that are kind of an invitation for us. So this one says if we come to Jesus with anything causing us to be weary or burdened, he'll give us rest. And when I was a student a few years ago, I had failed one of the modules on my course, and I was wondering, how am I going to carry on? And I probably blew it completely out of proportion, but I remember being stressed, really stressed, worried at the time. During, the t during that, that time, I was actually here at church, and at the end of the service, I decided I'll, I'll come forward for for some prayer, for someone to pray for me. And whoever came to pray for me, I, I can't remember a word they said, but in that moment, I experienced something. I experienced those worries, that burden being lifted. It was like Jesus was answering that promise in my life at that moment. And my coursework 
sadly didn't magically get redone, but it did give me what I needed to, to have perspective and to carry on. And the Bible is, is full of things like that. It's the Word of God we're invited to interact with through faith. And that's the first leg of the stool. The second leg of the stool is the person of Jesus and what he's done. So let's put that one in there. And this is what we've come back to again and again in our series on the book of Hebrews. That Jesus is the best. He's the best revelation. He's the best rest. He's the best representative. He's the best covenant. Compared to anything else, Jesus is the best. And through Hebrews chapter 11, the author makes this point in a way that would have been ultra-relevant to his original readers, who would have been super familiar with the Old Testament. He compiles a great list in that chapter of heroes of the faith, including many of the most famous Old Testament characters like Noah and Abraham and Moses. And the list would have read like a collection of modern celebrities to the original readers, not so much for us now, perhaps. But the thing the heroes of faith have in common is that through their lives, they are examples of what it looks like to trust in what God says. So by faith, Noah builds an ark because God warns him that there's a flood coming. By faith, Abraham leaves his homeland and sets out to a new land of promise that God's going to show him. By faith, Moses leads out God's people, the Israelites, out of slavery in Egypt. There will be miracles. All the heroes of faith listed in Hebrews chapter 11 lived before the time of Jesus. And the author finishes the chapter making the point that's especially relevant to us today. He says in verse 39 and 40, while all these ancients were commended for their faith, none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us. And the better thing God had planned and explains through the whole book of Hebrews is that the person of Jesus is that better thing and everything he's done. And so if you ask me what my faith is based on, I can point to the word of God, but I can also point to the person of Jesus and particularly the event of his death and resurrection. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me because he loves us. The love of God is demonstrated in that way as a free gift that takes away all of our sins, past, present, and future. And Jesus' resurrection from the dead is a sign that gives us sure and certain hope of eternal life with him. Now, some of us might be much more aware of, of feeling guilty about things we've done. Others perhaps don't give it as much thought. On Thursday last week, I was in the town center and I was talking to just some people in, who I just met about questions of faith. And I, got, I asked a couple of guys this question. If you had a bag on your back filled with all the things, all the sins in your life, the bad things you've done, would it be heavy? And they both said, yes, of course. And one guy was particularly enthusiastic about that. He was like, yeah, it would definitely be really, really heavy. <laughs> and just to be clear, I said, I'm in the same boat. We all, short, we all fall short of, of our own standards, let alone God's perfect ones. And sometimes people might think, I can't be a Christian because I'm not good enough. If I was going to follow Jesus, there's lots of things I'd need to sort out in my life before I started. But the good news is that through Jesus, we're invited to come exactly as we are. 
and start wherever we are, however, however heavy our bag may be. It's not about what you can do or what you can achieve. It's what, it's what has been done for you by Jesus. As Bodders looked at last week, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is perfect. It's enough to take away all our sins. As Hebrews chapter 9 says in verse 26, Jesus appeared once for all to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now the whole book of Hebrews urges us to put our faith in Jesus and what he's done. And that is the second leg of the stool. Now the third leg of the stool is the experience of God's presence. Wow, this one's tricky. The experience of God's presence in our lives. So if you ask me what I base my faith on, I can point to the Word of God. I can point to... Oh, wow, that didn't even screw in at all. I was just completely turning that not in the bolt. So I can point to the Word of God, the person of Jesus, and the experience of God's presence in our lives. I can point to years of experience of relationship with him through the ups and downs, through the times of struggle. But how does, how does that work? I love, I love this photo that will come up on the screen. Taken in 1963, it captures JFK, John F. Kennedy, the president of the United States of America. He's in his Oval Office. He's the most powerful man in the world at the time. And without high-level security, no one can come near him but sat right at his feet, playing with his toys under the desk, is his son, John Jr. Now, John Jr. has unique access to come because of the relationship he has with JFK. He's his dad. And this picture reminds me how Jesus has given us a way, an access to be near God, to be God's children, to, be, to experience God and his presence in our lives. In Hebrews chapter 10, the author writes about a similar thing. He says, Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in, an, in full assurance of faith. In other words, through faith, we can experience this nearness to God through what Jesus has done. Now, me and Lizzie have just had our first child, uh, a lovely little boy called Samuel, who's just over six weeks old. And when my brother and sister-in-law came to meet him, they gave us this amazing gift. It's called um, the Baby Move. It's an automatic baby soothing machine. <laughs> now, the Baby Move is shaped to be very comforting for a baby to lie in. The Baby Move moves electronically in a way that's designed to mimic a human rocking a baby. The baby move even plays different music and sounds for your baby. And I wanted to just show you it in action. So here it is in Samuel's room. <laughs> now, to be honest, I'm not sure how my parents raised me without one of these. <laughs> and before anyone goes there, I have checked, you can't get an adult version. But I'm so grateful for this gift, and um, seriously, and the baby move, it kind of does work with Samuel for a time. But after a while, he starts to get upset. And it's like he realizes, 
hold on a moment, this is not the real deal. I want my mummy or my daddy, more accurately, I want my mummy <laughs> to hold me. He needs to experience that they're there, we're, here, we're there with him. He needs to know and feel loved and safe and secure in our arms. And I think this is like a picture of what God wants for us. He wants to pick us up and hold us. And for us to experience his love and his presence, to be near him. And that happens through the Holy Spirit. And this experience of God's presence, it's the third leg of this stool on which our faith is based. So let's put this into action. This stool is now built on these three legs. The word of God, the person and the work of Jesus, and the experience of God's presence in our lives. And together the three legs, I'm starting to feel nervous. <laughs> I'm being honest. I need to be encouraged in my faith right now. Together, the three legs create a platform that's strong and stable and able to carry weight and support us. It's not just been made to look at or treat as an ornament. It's been made with a purpose, to bear my weight. And the author of Hebrews says that faith is always connected to action. In a similar way, we're always invited to take that step of faith. It's not blind faith with no evidence but based on the three legs of the stool. I actually have no idea of the structural integrity of this stool. So this is a big step of faith for me to stand on, but here goes. And hopefully the facilities team have not sabotaged me here. Yes, it worked. Thank you. I'm so relieved right now. Did anyone see it did wobble just a little bit? I felt it wobble. I felt it wobble. Thanks. Well, finally, let's think about what this faith is for. Hebrews makes clear that faith is both for now in our daily lives, but it's also for an eternal hope, the not yet. And we see this image of eternal hope become increasingly clear in the last few chapters of Hebrews as the author gives these descriptions of a future place. So they'll come up on the screen. A city whose architect and builder is God. A heavenly country prepared by God that's better than any here on earth. A heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's kind of poetic and symbolic language, but it paints a picture of a place that's perfect, joyful, and centered around God himself. And it's a place where anyone who has faith based on these three components can look forward to with assurance. Some people might think that a continual looking forward to an internal world might cause us to be kind of detached from normal life and make us weird or not very useful here on earth. But the writer C.S. Lewis, known best for his children's books, The Chronicles of Narnia, he says the opposite is true. He writes in his book, Mere Christianity, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. And it's since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. I love that. 
If our faith is firmly fixed on the right thing, on Jesus and the living hope we have in him, that faith will spill out in the here and now of our lives. We'll be people who are free to be extravagantly generous, not overly tied to materials or to earthly possessions, but willing to give and to bless, knowing our future is already secure. We'll be people who are hopeful now and able to endure suffering and encourage others, knowing that God has prepared something better, a heavenly city we're invited to. We'll have strength now to live out the values of God's unshakable kingdom, whether that's fighting injustice, caring for the poor, praying for the sick, or loving our enemies. And we'll be people who can get caught up now in the adventure of spreading this news about Jesus, inviting more and more people to experience this living hope. So having looked at what faith is, what faith is based on, and what faith is for, I want to ask again, where do you feel you are in your race right now today? For some of you, you you know your faith is being tested at the moment. And perhaps one thing under fire is is your time meeting together with others who are also running the race. My brother-in-law recently completed a 100-kilometer race. It was one of those um, ones that just go on for hours and hours, and he did it in just under 24 hours. And I asked him about it, and he said the thing that was key to him finishing was the encouragement he received from others, especially in the times he really wanted to give up. And we all need that great cloud of witnesses to help us persevere in our own race. So if that's you, I'd urge you to to plug into a a small group here or perhaps book into the the summer festival, Naturally Supernatural, and come along. Maybe maybe it's just as simple as catching up with a friend this week over coffee and just opening up and sharing about where your faith is at. For others, perhaps you're tired in in this season of life for all sorts of reasons, maybe because of suffering or, or disappointment or just life's busyness. And for you, I'd love to invite you to come after the service and have someone pray for you for renewed faith, for hope um, from Jesus. For, for some of you, perhaps you've, you've never put your faith in Jesus, but you're kind of interested in, in doing that, in putting your weight on this three-legged stool. And if if that's you, I'd love to invite you to come as well after the service and and tell someone here at the front that's what you'd like to do. And they would love to pray for you um, to do that. And for all of us, as we run our race, both individually and together as a church, let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So would you join me in in standing, uh, if you're able, as, as we respond?